I want to invite us to just pause for a moment, and I'd like to just lead us through some more prayer, and then we'll move into the scriptures. The psalmist wrote, I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. God, we are your house now, and your spirit is present among us, and we recognize your glory among us, and we give you praise. We pray for each other this morning. We pray for the encouragement of those who need encouragement. We pray for hope. We pray for our ability to trust you and to trust one another. We pray that you would give us the ability to be faithful as you are faithful. God, today here are represented uh, countless people who are feeling um, the pressures of life. And there are many here today who either themselves or those they love have physical needs, illness or injury or um, things that are plaguing them physically. And we pray for your relief for them. There are many here with emotional needs or have those that they know and love that are struggling with a lived experience of anxiety or depression or addiction, and we pray for them. There are those with relational struggles and challenges of broken friendships, broken families, um, just brokenness within, and we ask for your healing hand to be upon those relationships, that reconciliation might be possible for them. And there are many spiritually who are struggling, who are conflicted, who are confused. There are also others who are full of vigor and joy and life. And we're all in this room together, uh, this virtual room, this physical room as a community we recognize the variety of experiences that people bring when we come together like this. And we relish in the paradox of how the Spirit is able to help us mourn with those who mourn while at the same time rejoicing with those who rejoice. And so today we do that. And we offer ourselves both to you and to each other. Father, as we are gathered here this morning, we recognize the many churches in our region that are gathering together um, just like we are because they want to be together and they want to uh, experience your spirit among them. They want to hear from you. They want to learn from you. They want to be energized to go back into their week. We pray this morning, particularly for our six-line congregation, our sister congregation in the BIC, and ask you to prosper them. We think of the charities in this area that are doing, uh, doing great work among uh, people that are uh, minorities or marginalized. And together uh, with them, we want to address and help and understand and hear from those who are misunderstood or misrepresented. And so we pray for them today. And we pray for our leaders, whether they're provincial, federal, municipal whether they are government or business or community leaders of a variety of ways, that you would allow them uh, the joy and the privilege of understanding servant leadership. 
and may we be faithful in praying for them. And now we want to hear from you, and we want to gather together around you, Jesus, and seek your voice uh, and what you are saying through your spirit together. And we want to hear from you through the scriptures, through each other, uh, through that, that niggling that you might have in our hearts and our minds. And we thank you for the chance to worship, to gather, and then to go, knowing that we are not alone. Amen. I want to put a picture up for you. It may not be your favorite picture. Do you know what that is? Everybody knows what that is. That is that ugly, stupid thing that has changed our planet. And very graciously, as, as best as I can, I want to uh, share from my heart with you this morning that in relation to this thing specifically, I feel like there have been far too many disagreements and divisions happening in churches about COVID, where um, congregations are being divided, people are leaving, families are being separated and challenged because of differences of opinion. And I know you know what I'm talking about, because you've had a conversation with somebody about COVID, and they've probably said things that you didn't agree with them about. And you wrestled with the tension of that visceral response. And today we're talking about being communally discerning. We're revisiting our strategic initiatives as we begin again uh, life moving forward as a congregation. And so we've looked at finding Jesus, following Jesus, and today joining the community. We've just come at them from a different angle about being Jesus-centered and about being other-oriented. And then today, with joining the family, we want to talk about what does it mean to be communally discerning? We'll unpack that, and hopefully that will help a little bit. I suspect that you are somebody that likes harmony. We want harmony in our lives. We want this Zen kind of experience where everything just flows and things are in their place. And we want to experience that inside when it comes to our own individual lives. You want harmony in your life, in your decisions. You know when you're conflicted, should I do this or that? And you want to experience the harmony that comes from being able to just move forward and flow. You want that in community. A harmony of one voice, one mind, one purpose. The difficulty is, is that our reality often looks more like this. It's just splatter. A splatter of paint, a splatter of color, disjointed, random. And that's often how life can be. In fact, you might vacillate from, from harmony to chaos and back many times in a day. And so we recognize that, and we recognize that as we, as we bring that into this idea about community and about being communally discerning and about seeking harmony. 
And I'm talking about this because as we begin again and as we move forward, I know, and I suspect you know, that we are going to be making decisions that are going to require all of us to be communally discerning together. It's hard to be communally discerning by yourself. And so we are going to be faced with choices and decisions and directions about what we do in the coming months and years. And I think it's good for us to revisit this. And when it comes to COVID, have you noticed that maybe more than COVID creating things, it has just revealed what was already there in yourself, in us as a community? So I want to use a, a passage of scripture this morning that I think is, is quite relevant for us today. And it's a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul, a leader in the early church. He was writing to a group of Christians in a city called Corinth. And in the opening part of this letter, in chapter 1, he says to them, I want to encourage you. I want you to know how much God loves you and how God has been strengthening you and equipping you. And in verse 9 of chapter 1, he says, God is faithful to do what he says because he's invited you into partnership with his son. So we're invited to be in partnership with God in, in ministry in this world and what it means to be together. So he's really been encouraging and kind of prepping them for what comes next, and that's verse 10. Because <clears throat> this is what he writes, and you can follow along on the screen. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And then he moves on. He says, For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. And I just want to stop for a moment and point out the fact that he's talking about Chloe, who is obviously a leader in the early church. And I love that this woman is leading a, a congregation and Paul is addressing her as a leader in the early church. And he's saying, there are some quarrels happening among you. And then verse 12, he gets really specific. Some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Apollos. Or I'm a follower of Paul. And I think, well, there's no problem with that one. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. Others are saying, I follow Peter. Or the really spiritual ones, I only follow Christ. And then Paul asked some rhetorical questions. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Well, of course not. And he just kind of lays it out and says, let's talk about the elephant in the room, that there are divisions among you. If you've been here um, long enough, you'll have probably been part of some kind of division or disagreement in this congregation because it happens in every congregation. It happens in every organization. And yet I think Paul is offering some wisdom in how we can try to not see that happen. When we think about harmony... I suspect that for you, harmony is that we are all in agreement. 
Because Paul says, be, be united in thought and purpose, be of one mind. That sounds a lot like agreement. So when we are in community, uh, in Christian community, the first thing that we pursue when we're having to make a decision is we need to agree on what we're going to do. We need to agree on what we're going to say. We need to agree on how we are going to think. And what I want to suggest to you from what Paul is saying is that it might be better if we started with focusing on Jesus rather than trying to focus on our agreement. And that we start with this conviction we have of being Jesus-centered and start there and then allow him to lead us into this pursuit of being of one heart and one mind. And I think agreement and harmony will come. But for us as Christ followers, the best place for us to start is with him. And with our hands and our hearts and our minds open to hear from him as we do this together in community. And so when it comes to things like COVID, we could be asking the question, um, Jesus, what is your word for us? And then to work to hear from him as a community. So we, we want to be united in thought and united in purpose. And Paul is addressing that here as he's reminding these people, and I think the Spirit is reminding us again today, we are invited to partner with God in the things that happen in this world. And yet divisions happen. And when they do happen, they can be resolved and we can work towards being united in thought and purpose. So here's some questions I want to ask as we think about what it means to be united in thought and purpose. And, I, and they're, they're not necessarily rhetorical questions. They're questions that are posed to get us thinking. What would happen if we considered Jesus and his voice first before we consider expressing our voice? So what would happen if you spent the time just sitting with Jesus and saying, what do I need to hear from you about on this particular issue? And let, let your sitting with him temper and direct your voice as we gather together communally. What if we began to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open us up to differing viewpoints rather than predetermining what our own viewpoint is and what we're going to say when we're meeting with somebody or when we're together. What if sitting with Jesus part was actually, God, would you give me a heart and, a, and, a, and hands that are willing to receive from somebody who thinks differently than me. And at this point, I'd like to suggest that we need differing viewpoints. I love our church leadership. We met on Thursday night. And we often meet and we talk about issues. And you'll never guess what happens in those meetings People actually have the audacity to have different ideas on what we should do about something. 
And they actually share those ideas and put them on the table. And we banter them around. And there have been times when it's been such a critical issue that we've been in tears. And yet at the end of the night, there's this sense of, are you okay? Are we good? Because what we've wanted to do is hear from each other. And in the midst of those differing voices, sometimes, I know for myself, I've had my mind changed or my viewpoint changed because in God's grace, he gave me the ability to actually listen and hear from somebody. And I kind of went, oh, I never would have thought of that. That's a really good point. So what if we began by praying and asking the Holy Spirit to keep us open to those different voices before we predetermine what the right answer is or what the right decision is or what the right direction is? What if it's not about getting what you want as much as it is about seeking the benefit of the community, seeking what is best for the community? And that is really difficult. Because when, when you are willing to say, what is best for this community, it might mean that you let go of what you know you would appreciate and what you want. What would happen if we started to learn the skills of how to be communally discerning, particularly when there's disagreement. Have you ever had a, a disagreement with somebody and it, and it kind of within two or three exchanges, it just turned into you're a big fat jerk? Uh, ever been part of your, you know, whether it's at work or with a family member? You know, one person shares their opinion, the other person shares theirs, and neither likes what the other has said. And immediately the wall just comes shooting up between them. And then they either end up trying to one-up the other in escalation, in heightened voice, or in logic, and I'm going to out-logic this person. There are actually skills that you can learn for how to work through disagreement. We run a workshop here at New Life. Of course, COVID has suspended that for a bit called Sharpening Your Interpersonal Skills. It's a great workshop with a terrible title, I admit. But you know what it is. It's about being sharpened in your interpersonal skills. And so we're hoping in January to run it again. We've had about 75 people go through it. And everyone that's been through it has never had a disagreement since then with anybody. <laughs> Of course they have. And maybe, just maybe, hopefully, some of the skills that they learned have helped them navigate that. But there's some questions to ask ourselves about being united in thought and purpose. So what is it that causes divisions? And I'm not going to talk about a lot. Of, I'm just going to say in the church, the big C church, what is it that causes divisions? Let's just jump back to the text here. 
Because Paul says this in verse 11, yes, there are quarrels among you, my dear brothers and sisters. I love that he calls them dear brothers and sisters. Um, and then he says, as some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. I'm a follower of Paulus. I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. And do you notice what's happening here? The focusing on personalities, other than the one personality that I think Paul is suggesting we start with, and that's Christ himself. So back in the day of the first century church, there were influencers by the name of Paul and Apollos and Peter and James and Priscilla and Aquila and Timothy and Titus and, and pick, pick the name. But influencers aren't a new thing. Just today they're digital. So could I just encourage you to think about the influencers in your life right now? Who are you regularly going to for your diet of information and, your, and the things that are shaping your opinion? And I'm not suggesting that they're bad and that you shouldn't. I would just invite you to pay attention to who you are going to that is shaping you. And then consider that person's influence to what Paul is suggesting here, that we start with Jesus. And then we, we work out from there. So focusing on the wrong personality, I think, causes division. I'm like, that's my suggestion. I'm happy to, to have uh, input on that. I also find it interesting when Paul is addressing this, he's saying, this is what I see happening among you. Some of you are saying, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. And there's that hard attitude of me, what I want, my rights. And we are in such a wonderful culture that makes sure that we understand that you have rights and I have rights, and those are preeminent in priority. And yet when we come to the church, we're invited to allow somebody else to be preeminent. And his name is Jesus. And he invites us, very simply, to die to ourselves so that he might live in us. And then invites us to allow him to work through us so that as we have the mind of Christ, our thoughts are his thoughts. And his thoughts are always other-oriented, as we talked about last week. And then it becomes really interesting that way. And then Paul asks some rhetorical questions in verse 13. Has Christ been divided into factions? Of course not. Was I crucified for you? Of course not. Were any of you baptized into the name of Paul? Of course not. And there's this great, there's this great understanding that Jesus can't be divided, which is why it's so cool if we start with him and we stay focused on him and we end with him. I think it lessens the opportunity that we might have to move into division when it comes to being communally discerning. And I also think if we start with Jesus, there's a tone that is established. I don't know how familiar you are with the scriptures, but if I asked you the question, you know, how aware of you of the disagreements Jesus had with people? You might think, well, Jesus never had any disagreements. And then I would just encourage you, read through the Gospels, and you'll see over and over again Jesus in 
conflict with the people around him, whether they were the religious leaders or even the passage that we read at the beginning of the service today where the disciples were in conflict. And I think Jesus is challenging them on their thinking. Jesus won't allow himself to be divided, which begs the question, what do you do in a community when someone says, I heard a word from the Lord, and somebody else says, well, I heard a different word from the Lord. And then I just see that and say, isn't this wonderful? The Lord is speaking. Now let's figure out together what he's actually saying. In all of this, what does it mean for you to be part of a community that seeks to discern things together? Here's some suggestions that when we are united in Christ of one mind and purpose, we actually can make decisions together and we can do that without fear of being divided. When we need to make those difficult decisions, and we begin with Jesus, I think we're free to explore a lot of different approaches to how we might have unity of thought and mind. So it doesn't mean that there's only one right way to come up with making a decision. And it might be sometimes that we're going to be like the people of Israel before we get to something that we know. We're going to be wandering around all over the place and it'll feel a little bit like that second picture that we showed rather than the lovely sand. But eventually that one picture is going to morph into the other one and we're going to have harmony and unity. And it might take longer than we want and it won't be efficient and it won't be productive. But what it will do is speak the value of every person and how relationships are always more important than the issue. And here's something for you when you need to make a personal decision and you're enjoying being part of a discerning community, then you have the opportunity and the privilege of inviting the community into your life to help you make that decision about your life. And you're like, wait a minute, could you say that again? Here's where I'm I'm going to challenge you a little bit. What if for some of the major decisions that you need to make in your life, you invited the community to help you discern what you should do. You've consulted people about your finances and how much money you need to retire. You've consulted people about whether you should buy that house or not. They're called home inspectors. You've consulted people about car purchases and vacations and all kinds of other things. What would happen if you started to ask the community to help you discern the decisions that you want to make that will also have an effect on the community to which you belong? This is where I think following Jesus starts to get really radical. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I've tried doing this with others, and it's hard. One, because most of us have no concept of doing that. And so when you try to explain it to somebody, they're like, what? 
and it's part of the culture in which we live. But also, it means that I need to be willing to let the community help me discern, and they might encourage me to go differently than what I want. Because what I do typically going into that meeting, and I suspect you would be the same, is we'll get a couple people, and then we'll just get them to affirm what we've already decided. And then we'll feel really good about the decision that we've made. So how many of you have heard of the Quakers? So the Quakers are, are a, a group of, uh, of Christians that um, are similar in, in our history of Anabaptism. And, and they're where they're at today. And, and I, some of you might be thinking, oh, I'm not sure I'm happy with the Quakers. And it's like, well, you know, that could be said of our own denomination of the good and the bad and, and the ugly and the beautiful. But what I appreciate about the Quakers is, is their emphasis on discerning things communally. And one of the things that they do is they have what they call a Quaker Clearness Committee. Isn't that a great, boring name? for something so profound, but this is what they do. A person who needs to make a decision will invite um, four or five other people to gather around them. And it's not meant, uh, it's people that they trust, but it's not meant to be people just to affirm what you're already doing. They're not meant to give you advice. They are not meant to lead you anywhere. They are meant to simply be with you for a one or two hour period and ask you questions to help you discern. And there's a link in the notes. By the way, if you're wondering about notes, there are notes on the website with the sermon that you can download, look at, and there are follow-up questions that come with the notes. And I have a link in there for the, the Quaker Clearness Committee. Now, the one thing that I, that I notice they do is they want to express the importance of hearing your own voice in making the decision. And I would just tweak that a little bit to say these people, I think, as we gather together, we're meant to help you hear the Spirit's voice along with your own in making that decision. And so they're not going to ask you leading questions. They're not going to fish. They're just going to help you process. And it's such a beautiful image. And, and it is something that works. But it's also something that can be frightening when you've never done it before. But I would encourage you just to look into that. And if anything, if you're needing to make decisions, invite one or two others in the community that you love and trust and at least just have them you know, go through that process with you. The article that's referenced will give some outlines for what could happen for that. Just before the passes that we've read, or just after, I think it's in um, chapter 2, Paul finishes a, a section of writing about wisdom, and he just simply says this, we have the mind of Christ. So when we're gathered together like this, or in any kind of meeting, it's this wonderful reminder that we've been invited to participate with Jesus in the ministry that God has in this world, but he's also given us his mind. The Spirit is among us, the Spirit is with us, and we have the mind of Christ when it comes to making decisions. We are not left alone. There's a hint there from John's Gospel in John 14 to 16 where Jesus reminds his followers that the Spirit of Christ, his Spirit, will lead them into all truth and will help them remember the things that he said and will even help them work through the future. I love in the book of Acts 
Um, in chapter 13, the group of Christians are together praying, and, they, and while they're praying, the Holy Spirit says, send Paul and Barnabas. And there's a sense that together they discerned that these two people were to be sent out. In Acts chapter 15, there was a huge decision the church had to make, and it was, are we going to let non-Jewish people become part of the church? And that was their issue. And throughout the centuries, the church has had to revisit this question. Are we going to let those people be part of the church? And it was creating huge division. So the church met together and they discerned together. You can read about it in Acts 15. And then the the ones who were discerning that together sent a letter to some of the other Christians that were involved in this. And at one point they said this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that this is what needs to be done. And I'm so encouraged by that, that together they, they talked, they debated, and they sought to be, to be clear in purpose, united in heart and mind and purpose. And then they communicated that it wasn't just them, it was the Holy Spirit that was a part of that. And I think that's been happening here as we've been trying to work through different things. And, and of course, it doesn't mean that everybody's always going to love every decision and be happy and that every single person is going to be in agreement. But through all of this, what I think Paul is suggesting here is when we focus first on Jesus instead of agreement, the agreement and the harmony become easier or at least more healthy when we get there. So here's what I would ask you to do moving forward for us as we discern things communally. Are we done making decisions about COVID and and what's happening? No, you're all still sitting here with masks and distanced and and, um, we're, we're really not, you know, we've kind of changed our minds a little bit on bring coffee, sit, chat. We want to try to be as safe as possible and we know not everybody's agreeing with that stance. And so we have to make decisions sometimes, and we want to hear from each other. And so we've got this posture of just being open. Maybe maybe we need to change our mind and change our stance. Maybe we need to do this or that. And I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm talking about all of our decisions. So here's what I would ask of you for discerning things communally. When we ask for your input, would you be willing um, to give it? We sang a song earlier that said, all are safe here. And I actually really feel like that here at New Life, that all are safe here. Even if you don't agree with me, it's okay. As I say to our staff, it's okay if you're wrong. You can still, you can still be here. So when we send out a poll that says, hey, we'd like to get some input from you, could you fill that out? Or if we invite you to a meeting and we give you enough advance notice, would you be willing to come and, and work with us in discerning together? One of the things that we want to do moving forward is, is start to set up sometimes, and I think we've strayed away from this too much, so I, I bear that on myself, is just where we get together and we say, let's pray. Let's, let's, this isn't about sharing our opinions right now. This is just about coming together and being together and sitting and, and hearing from God. And so watch for those opportunities. I want you to ask yourself a couple questions here. These are in the follow-up notes that you can get 
online. What does it mean to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose? Verse 10 here, what does that mean to you? And just consider that process. What things could we do to promote a unity of thought and mind? And then last question, how do you allow the congregation to influence your own personal decision-making so that you are one in thought and purpose with your brothers and sisters in Christ? And I want to invite you just to think about those questions and see where they, where they lead you. I'm excited about moving forward, about this idea of beginning again. And it comes with its challenges, like today. How long has the sermon been? Oh, geez, that's long. Okay. So I have gone way too long today. Um, oh, well. <laughs> You're still here. I want to close with this prayer and then send you out just as a reminder that we want to be a communally discerning congregation. And if we want to live in harmony, let's focus on Jesus before we try to reach the agreement part. So here's the prayer for us. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Thanks for being here today. And uh, we will see you next week. We will have the tech issues resolved. And uh, we'll look at what it means to make a difference or to embrace opportunity. Bye for now.